Craig Button here right now, our TSN hockey analyst. Craig, how are you doing this Thursday? I am doing amazing, and I'm going to see you this weekend. Am I not, Julia? We are. We're going to Cornwall, and I'm excited. And you know what, Craig? I actually have to tell you something right now. I have, I have yet to complete the research task that you assigned me, but I've been, I've been grinding for it, and I've yet to, I've yet to uncover the information. That's surprising in and of itself. So it can only tell me one thing. Is it you haven't had time to, to do the research because if you would have, you would have probably found it in mere seconds. I keep getting farmer. I keep getting back to farmer. Okay. Well, <laughs> I gave you an out, Julie. I just gave you an out and you didn't take it. Okay. I, I'm not taking an out. I'm going to find it before I see you. Uh, Craig Budner, TSN hockey analyst on the phone right now. The Leafs have the Rangers tonight in the big city. And, Craig, we were just talking about goaltending and the fact that Sheldon Keefe and the Maple Leafs team feel really comfortable no matter who's in the net right now. How advantageous is that for the Leafs that they have this bit of uh, almost healthy competition happening between both these goalies who are rolling so well right now? I would answer that two ways. So the first one was it's advantageous. Number two, it's their situation. So, you know, when Sheldon Keith, excuse me, when Cal Dubas, you know, looked for his goaltending uh, this summer, you know, he makes the trade for Matt Murray. And then he, he signs Ilya Samsonov. And, you know, I think that Matt Murray has shown unequivocally that he can really benefit in a tandem situation. Ilya Samsonov, you know, in my view, surprised that he was let go by the Washington Capitals, but that's to the Toronto Maple Leafs benefit. And, you, you know, when you, when you have a tandem uh, where a younger goaltender like Samsonov, you know, can benefit from Matt Murray, and Matt Murray can benefit from a from a good solid goaltender like Samsonov. That's the advantageous part. But I think one of the key things here is understanding exactly what you have. You know, it's not trying to force one to be the number one or you know somebody to be a backup. It's saying this is what we have now. Let's see how it uh, unfolds. Obviously, Matt got hurt in the first game of the season. Ilya Samsonov got in there and took over. You know, Matt came back. He's been solid. Ilya's come back. He's been solid. I, I, I always, in, I'm always careful to not to, to, to make sure I mention Eric Schalgren because he he's been really good. Yeah. So we're talking about a trio of goaltenders. You know, I, I know when the when the injuries happened and and you're looking at it. I mean, they they had to uh, they had to sign. Jeez, uh, I'm forgetting uh, the, the the goalie they had to sign for the Marlies. Uh, I've, I've gone blank. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But they have to sign him, and, and what, what did Sheldon Keith and Cal Duva say? Goes, it's not the ideal situation to have to go so deep into your, into your uh, roster to try to find a goalie to just serve as a backup. But I think what's happened for the Leafs is that they have uh, found a way to, 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 for the goaltenders, namely Murray and Samsonov, to really benefit from one another. And, and, and I think that's the way that it was envisioned. It's been such a great tandem to watch. And last week you said that the Leafs were focusing in on details that would help them be successful in the postseason. Obviously, goaltending is, is going to be a huge factor in the postseason. Odog says they look like a completely different team. What would you say maybe the biggest change has been in their recent stretch of games where they've really put that Coyotes loss behind them where everyone was freaking out and now they've come to be playing like the team we expected them to be? 
Well, Luca, nice to hear from you. I, I, I was exchanging a note with uh, Steph, and, you know, it's the Christmas season, so I'm just going to call you Luca Baby. I like to it. The Santa Baby, to the Santa Baby song, Luca Baby. Yeah, that works. Anyway. That works for me, Craig. <laughs> it's interesting because when you, when you have a, a team with such a passionate following as the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, everything gets dissected and sometimes dissected to the nth degree and unnecessarily dissected. But when, when you have that type of a following and that type of, uh, uh, of, of passion for your team, you know, that, 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 that's part and parcel of it. So when the team was struggling and, and they were struggling, make no mistake about it, you know, they themselves, and, 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 and Luca, you just mentioned when I talk about things that change, you talk about, oh, uh, and, and the things that he talked about looks like a different team. I, I've said this continuously, and I will continue to say, you know, they're a team that sees themselves as a Stanley Cup contender. So, therefore, you have to evaluate their play on that basis. Not like, okay, they're okay here, or they're okay there. If you want to be a Stanley Cup contender, there's details, habits, things that have to be firmly entrenched in your game. They worked as they came back from that West Coast trip. But since that point in time, and, and, and again, I think this is important. It, it, it's, not about, it's not about showing me or you or the fan base. It's about showing themselves what they're capable of. Words don't mean anything. I don't want to hear any more about what you think you've learned. You need to show me what you've learned. You need to show me that you're going to dial into the details to be a Stanley Cup contender, not tell me about it. And I think the Maple Leafs, since they got back from the West Coast, have done that unequivocally. And everybody's done it. Not just the top players. And, and, and they've done it in, in all the, what I think are important areas for winning. And ultimately, you want to compete for the Stanley Cup. But if you don't have those details in place, and, they, and, and keep in mind, I, I want to emphasize this word, entrenched. You don't right. just get to decide at the beginning of the playoffs, okay, we're going to now start to implement these details. You have to have them entrenched. And I think the Leafs have really done a great, let me emphasize, great job of, of entrenching those details into their game. And I think that not only has it led to their success, I think it bodes very well for their future. Yeah, I think people were tired of the lip service, and, and the Leafs yeah. were tired of giving it to, and they've really showed us that they do care about those details now. And if we're talking about over-analysis, there was a moment in that Ducks game that really stood out to me, Craig. Uh, Leafs were up 2 nothing or, or 3 nothing at some point during the first period. It was clear kind of at that point that they were running away with the game. And Mark Giordano was out there blocking shots. Uh, and that just kind of stood out to me as a moment that, you know, like they're not just mailing it in here in this December game that could feel like a nothing one during, versus the Anaheim Ducks. And it's, it's those details that have really been standing out to me. Yeah, and, and, and I think it's a great example, Julia, uh, of, of something that when you talk about, you know, doing whatever you feel needs to be done at that moment in time. The, the game is made up of 60 minutes at the very least. And, you know, when you get to the playoffs, sometimes more than that, and certainly in the regular season with overtime. If you, I believe, successful teams have to be able to understand that every single play has to be treated as an important play. Because at the end of the game, you do not know what play will turn out to be a determining play. And, and it's not just one play, but there's a number of plays over the course of time. And coaches will go back and say, if we, if we manage this part of the game better, but players have to understand that every single play 
can be treated, if you treat it significantly and as important, then you're not going to look back and say, well, geez, if I did this or I didn't get on the wrong side there or I bared down on the puck here. That, to me, is, 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 is what successful teams do. And you just pointed it out with Mark Giordano. And it, it's a great example, and, it, and, and it's a highlighted example. But, but I think there's so many different ways for that to be conveyed. You know, think about, think about what happened after the game. Think about after the game. Who did Matt Murray give the belt to? Oh, his, his tandem partner in Samsonov. Oh, didn't he give it to David Camp? Oh, am I wrong about that? I think, I think it was Samsonov for his second shutout in a row. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. But you know what? It was actually Camp the game before, or was it Willie? I don't know, but great point either way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I'm pointing out is, is that David Camp, if you recall the game when Pierre Engvall scored the winning goal late in the game. Yeah. David Camp comes tracking back through the middle of the ice hard, hard, hard. Intercepts the pass. And all of a sudden it turns up, boom, that was against San Jose. It was against San Jose, and, you know, Thomas Hurdle, good player, trying to make a cross-ice pass. David Camp, it, like, because he's, how many times do we hear about tracking back hard? Well, that's a play where David Camp, that play happens dozens of times in a game. You don't know when it's going to be important. It turned out to be critically important right at that moment in time. Winning goal. Yeah. <laughs> you, and, and, but if you don't do it every time, you don't know when it's going to lead to something successful or worse if you don't do it when it's going to lead to something that's part of your demise. And I think that the Leafs have done a great job of it. And Matt Murray, who's won two Stanley Cups, understands the importance of each and every player contributing in their own way because all the contributions become significant and important over time. You're not going to win a Stanley Cup. You're not going to compete for a Stanley Cup by having, by having only certain players contribute. Yeah. All the players have to contribute to the best of their abilities. That's the way you win. Yeah, it's the little things that are adding up into big things right now. I'm remembering Matt Murray gave it to Zach Aston Reese once, and I forget what game it was, but it was a great game where Zach Aston Reese was... Um, he made a couple big hits, and, and you know that Matt Murray knows what it takes to win. Uh, our TSN yeah. hockey analyst Craig Button on the phone right now, and your core four under 24 just released this morning on tsn.ca. Dallas came in first, but can you tell us a little bit about how those rankings work and where exactly you had uh, our Toronto Maple Leafs, since we're on Leafs lunch here? I just put all the teams in a hat and I just ah, picked them up. <laughs> like it's just, it's just so, Luca, it's just willy nilly. I mean, I could tell you about the in depth analysis we do, the hours spent on it, but, but we just really? took them out of the hat. And, and <laughs> <laughs> also, I, I do want to say one thing Keith Petrozelli, I, I, I apologize for not having his name, but I mean, playing with the Marlies, they have to sign him to an NHL contract. He was the goaltender I was referencing earlier, yeah. so I, I apologize for not having, uh, for not having Keith's name ready at the, because I should have known that. Anyway, so the core four under 24 is players under 24 years of age as the beginning of the, of the regular season. Uh, so, you know, that's October 11th. And we, we, what we do is, is we go and evaluate all the NHL teams for the players under 24 at that point in time and try to grade them individually and then grade the teams overall as to, you know, wh- how many players they have and what quality of players they have under that age group. Now, the Toronto Maple Leafs, for a long time, had Austin Matthews, William Nylander, Mitch Barner. Yeah. So they were going to be right at the top of the list. 
you know, that's not the case as those players get, get to be 24 and older. You, and, and what ends up happening with the Leafs coming in at 22 is that they've traded first-round draft picks. They've traded some of their prospects. Those younger guys that are brilliant became older. And, and it, it's inevitable that you're going to fall off with, you know, some of your uh, with some of your great, your rankings in terms of that. You know, uh, you know, Rasmus Sandin is number one on the list. Number two is Matthew Nyes. We have Topi Niemela. We have uh, uh, Timothy Lilligren. So the Toronto Maple Leafs have two players, uh, like playing on their team, on a very good team that are in the uh, are in their core four. But nobody's going to say that Rasmus Sandin is is, is a top notch defenseman or Timothy Lilligren. But when you trade first round draft picks and you trade prospects. This is what it's inevitable as you try to pursue the goal of strengthening your team with the Matthews and the Marners and the Tavares and the Nylanders and the Rileys. That's what you have to do. The 32nd team on our ranking is the Tampa Bay Lightning. And that should come as no surprise because they traded first round picks. They've been to the Stanley Cup final three consecutive years, winning two Stanley Cups. That is the cost of trying to compete and strengthen your team uh, to, 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 to compete and be in, in the Stanley Cup contention. That's where the Leafs find them. They, they, I, I think Topi Niemo is going to be a, a real solid NHL player. We're already seeing where Sandine and Lilligren are. I think that uh, Matthew Nyes can be a real good, solid contributor at the NHL level. But they're not the quality of player that the Dallas Stars have under 24 or the Calgary or, or excuse me, or the Ottawa Senators or Montreal Canadiens. But if you look at those teams, <laughs> you know, Dallas is maybe a little bit different, but Ottawa and Montreal are rebuilding. You know, they're looking to the future. Toronto's looking to the present. And you can't, to me, you, you can't serve both at the same time. You're either going to be having good players that are competing at, at the top end of the, of the league for the cup, or you're going to be in a, in a position where you have a bunch of younger players. The Anaheim Ducks, they're a team in the top ten. They're right at the bottom of the league. You can't be a contender and then have all like, like a lot of top young players. It just doesn't work that way for the most part. Definitely. Yeah, that's how these things work sometimes. And sticking with the Leafs four for just one second, because if, if you're a Leafs fan, you're probably wondering where's Nick Robertson. And was he omitted just because of the injuries, or do you just think that he hasn't really shown much yet to be warranting of being in that top four yet for the Leafs? I, I, and, and there's two things there, uh, Luke. I think that the first thing I'll explain is this is fluid. Players move up, players move down, right? Mm-hmm. And pl- players get surpassed, right? And, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, Nick Robertson was, was a player that was clearly one of the guys they were counting on. But, you know, I, I think your other word, yet, certainly applies right now because we're, we're, you're, not, you're not dismissing Nick, but at this point in time, he hasn't shown enough to, to, for our definition to be listed in the top four. You, you have to be, you know, like a, an A player, which is a, a number one goalie, top pair defenseman, first line forward. And if you're a B player, you got to be a second line forward. Nick simply hasn't shown to this point in time that he, he's in that group. And when they're a little bit younger, we're a little bit more forgiving with projection. And, and we might say, okay, you, you're going to be this. I'll give you a perfect example of that. Uri Slavkowski, who was the first overall pick, okay, we have him as an A prospect. I'm not so sure he's going to be a first-line uh, first player when it's all said and done. I think he'll be, at the very least, a, a second-line player. But, you know, right now, we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt at 18 years of age that he's an A player. Alexi Lafreniere, who was the first overall pick a few years ago, 
we got him as a third-line player now. Yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's because he hasn't shown it. So, you know, Nick Robertson, it's not that he, to your point, yet, okay, but, you know, we're, we're evaluating this all the time, all the time, and watching where players are, are, are moving and developing and progressing or not progressing, and, and, and that's just part and parcel of the whole thing. It's not a static exercise. It's a continuous exercise. Nick simply has is, 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 is not shown that he belongs in that category right now. Yeah, okay, I love your comment, Craig, about the fact that uh, competing teams can have deep, deep prospect pools if they're expecting to win a Stanley Cup, and, and there's you're either going to be a competing team or a team with a deep prospect pool. And, and right now, the Leafs are in as win-now as a mode as I've kind of ever seen them in. This It's not a secret that this is kind of the last kick at the can uh, with this course specifically. Like, we've heard time and time again they've told us. But yesterday, I was arguing, no, I was arguing with, uh, who was on, I think it was Cause yesterday. Tell me, what's up? No, no, I'm listening to you. Okay, uh, I think a lot of people have all four of those players, Sandy, Nyes, Nimala, and Lilligren, on their list as you cannot move these players uh, in order to make a deal towards the trade deadline. And, and we've been hearing whisperings of there was a Ryan O'Reilly report recently. People are kind of looking at Bo Horvat as potential guys the Leafs might want to bring in. Is is kind of everything on the table to you when it comes to the Leafs if they really are going to be in a win-now mode? So the first thing I wanted to say is, is when you said, you know, that window is closing, I think that that should be the big headline on Leafs Lunch today. Julia says window closing. (laughs) No, I can't get radioed on my own show. Someone run with that. It's illegal. You can't do it to the host. Steph Apolito, there's the the clip. (laughs) There it is right there. All all kidding aside, Julia, all kidding aside. So I'm going to go back a little bit in time. And, And we weren't a contending team when we did it. But we had a ton of young players, and we felt that we needed some things. In 1995, right about this time before the World Junior Tournament, Joe Newendike was holding out in uh, Calgary, and we had Mike Madano. And, you know, we, we, we had Jerome McGinley. Now, I'm going to tell you, did we think Jerome McGinley would score 600 goals and have the career he did? No. Absolutely. Did we think Jerome McGinley was going <laughs> to be a very good player? Absolutely we did. We knew we had a really good player with Jerome McGinley. But we looked at it and we said – you know what? If we trade Jerome McGinley and get Joe Newendike, we're going to be thrilled because we get a, we get a top-notch player in Joe Newendike, a player that's going to help us now and in the next couple of years. And we're going to be disappointed about losing Jerome McGinley. At the same time, we said if we keep Jerome McGinley and don't get Joe Newendike, we're going to still be looking for a number for, for a center to play with Madano, and that's something that doesn't come along every day. And we felt that at that point in time that we had to serve our current team. So I'm not saying that Rasmus Sandin can't serve the team or Timothy Lilligren can't serve the team. The bottom line is, if you want to help Matthews and the core and everything, you cannot close your mind to any idea. That doesn't mean you say yes. That doesn't mean you just say nobody's an untouchable. If it improves your team, because remember, the Leafs are now looking at trying to be successful in this year. I'm not going to even go to next year. Yeah. Right? But, but the bottom line is, if you can improve your team and you think it can help you be better served to compete and, and move further along in the playoffs this coming year, you bloody well better be thinking about it and not dismissing it. The idea that you wouldn't trade Topin Yemlet to help your team right now is ludicrous. It's absolutely what you have to do and consider. Okay, I love that line of thinking, and I also love that you gave us a new headline. Craig Button says, trade everyone on the Leafs. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, I just said nothing off the table. Not, and, like, again, 
like I, I, I was there. Yeah. I was there. I did it. I, I, this isn't something where I'm talking like uh, in, in hypotheticals. Did it. Been yeah. there, done that. Not for the faint of heart. Okay, Craig, thank you so much for joining us, and I'll see you in Cornwall this weekend. I'm looking forward to it. I hope the weather stays, uh, you know, favorable and you don't run into any uh, travel issues. But if that's the case, travel safely, Julia. Look yeah. forward to seeing you in Cornwall. You too. You too. Craig Button, our TSN and, hockey and analyst. Luca baby. Luca baby. <laughs> uh, I, I like wish that. I was coming to Cornwall too now. I'm a little jealous I'm not. I'm going to be using that all day. Thank you, Craig. See you later. That's Craig Button, our TSN hockey analyst.